Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. For those who say Presbyterians don't have rhythm, I think you proved them wrong. <clears throat> Our second reading this morning comes to us from the Old Testament, from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3 and 7 to 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, one of, in one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he is one who would cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give life or death that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall become clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would have surely come out, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage, but his servant approached him and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like that of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God. He and all his company, he came before and stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that as we gather this morning, your spirit fills this place, that it fills each and every one of us, that it opens our hearts, our minds, our eyes, O Lord, to see where you are calling us, where you are moving us, to be your hands and feet in this world. 
as we seek to live as Christ did and showing love and grace and compassion. And we ask this in your most blessed name. Amen. We all know the old saying, pride comes before the fall. Or in the situation we find ourselves in this morning, pride comes before restoration or the the act of restoration or lack of. You see, pride keeps us from many things. It keeps us from relationships, it keeps us from new experiences, and it keeps us from risking our time and resources in the pursuit of things God is calling us to do. Pride can be a very powerful and very influential force. Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Aram, is such an example of pride. We probably know people like Naaman. Or, dare I say, if we are a little self-aware, we might see some of Naaman in ourselves. Naaman isn't timid about his status in society. And on the one hand, we have the very modest persona found in the person of Elisha. And on the other hand, we have someone like Naaman, who comes riding in with all his chariots and other displays of wealth and power. That act of flashiness, or that act of whatever you want to call it, might have been enough to impress someone like you or me. But it doesn't have an impact on Elisha who tells Naaman that he just has to go and wash himself seven times in the Jordan River. But you see, the Jordan River was not an ordinary river. The Jordan River was quite dirty, and it was a place where people would have done their bathing or laundry. It was not what you would describe as a crystal clear river. I guess if you had to compare it to something today, it would have been like the Hudson River before they started their intensive cleanup. And if you were seeking healing from a skin-related ailment, I don't think, at least I wouldn't, take too kindly to being told to bathe in something like the Hudson River. But it is down at the riverside. It is when we gather at the river that we discover that the rivers of Jordan represents something more than just a dirty river. It's when we gather at the river and when we come to understand that that God doesn't care about our social status, our wealth, our education, or our accomplishments. But God cares about something more. Something that goes beyond our sense of pride or our human nature that seems to get in the way of such understanding. Understanding that that kind of grace is freely given. Yet the thing about pride is that it can easily be undone and bring us to our knees if we aren't careful. The fact that Naaman was inflicted by leprosy means that he must have been on the verge of becoming an outcast. Because even with his power and might, there was nothing that he could do to hide from the fact that he was unclean or touched by a disease that would eventually kill him. And as we have previously before talked about those tight places in our lives, Naaman's pride must have brought him to a place of, of, of that tight experience, that place of marginalization as he comes face to face with this new reality. We might be able to relate to that as well. 
We might be able to relate to what it's like to be forced into places that encourage pain instead of bringing about growth. You see, it's that kind of dark force that drives people to, to seek life-saving medication on the black market because their insurance won't cover it because there's no system in place for them to get the kind of healing they need. It's the force that's rooted in such a desperation that we find that there's a system that preys on those who are financially vulnerable and those who are alone. It's a kind of hard place, a type of distress that sheds light on what is truly important and what is not essential. There's a lot that we can learn this morning from Naaman's turning around. A man who was in a position brought low by a deadly disease was somehow able to see that humility that was necessary to find healing in a new place. Disorienting experiences can be bad for many reasons, but at the same time, those experiences might also be a catalyst for something new. Out of the chaos of Naaman's plight, we discover that there is healing, there is restoration in what God has to offer if we are willing to go and try unconventional things. I do feel bad, though, because I feel like I'm running the risk of sounding like a bad TV commercial. You know, you know those commercials, the, the kind of commercial that offers you a chance to change your life if you are willing to try this or that magic pill. And there's one for everything. There's one for weight loss, hair growth, intelligence, and relief from whatever ailment you might possibly have. But there is one thing that those magic pills can't offer, and that is peace and knowing that whatever problem you're trying to overcome, there is a fount of peace, a fount of grace that comes from God when life gets hard. What I love about this story that wasn't included in this morning's reading is that after Naaman is healed, he comes back to Elisha. He comes back to Elisha with all these gifts and tries to offer him something in return, but Elisha refuses. As someone who has pledged themselves to God, Naaman then asks one more thing of Elisha. You see, Naaman was going to return back to his homeland. He was going to return to a place where he would have been expected to participate in acts of worship to another god. Naaman is in a pretty tough place. Naaman feels as though he has found a joyous truth but the reality is settling in. The reality that he must return to a life where his new core values will be at odds with his old life. There's something about that tension that resonates with our own hearts. There's something about that anxiety and that tension that can resonate with us. Because I'm sure if we took the time to assess the things that are important to us, our own core values, we might find that there are things in our work or in our daily lives that do not match up accordingly. So what do we do? What choices do we have at our fingertips, if any? Well, the good news is that at the core, there are options. And of course, these are all rooted in the love and grace of God. 
And when we worry that what we do is not true to ourselves, in those instances, we may find that we too hear the words of Elisha, who said to Naaman, go in peace. You see, Elisha could have taken a very hard line position. Elisha could have been a purist. Elisha could have drawn a line in the sand and told Naaman that he had to choose one or the other. But Elisha knew that that kind of judgment was not his responsibility. Elisha knew that only God was familiar with Naaman's heart, and so trusting in that compassion, he tells Naaman, go in peace. I think more often than not, we do like to draw lines in the sand, and we want to know who our friends are, and we want to know who our enemies are as well. However, the truth is that the world is a much more complex thing than what we give it credit for, and that God knows the complexities that we face on a daily basis. Naaman may have thought that he was only coming to visit Elisha for a healing session, but he walked away with much more. Naaman walked away with what we seek, that being peace in our lives, forgiveness for the things that we know are wrong, and reassurance that we have the strength, the spiritual energy needed to do the tasks that have been given to us. We don't have anything to be proud of if we aren't willing to see the world through a renewed lens of what life looks like from the outside, from those marginal places. And I think Naaman walked away with a sense of that as well. You see, the world needs more people like Naaman, not the pre-encounter with Elisha Naaman, but the Naaman who goes away humbled and full in spirit. And the world needs more people who are like Elisha, people who are holy not because they are on a soapbox all the time, but because they are people who are righteous and because they are not the ones to cast the first stone. Being judge, being the prosecutor and the defender, was not Elisha's job. No, instead, Elisha was a vessel. Elisha was a vessel like us that reminds us that we already possess what we are looking for, which is God's reassuring presence. When our lives seem topsy-turvy, when we don't feel like we are truly who we are, when we are not connected with, with what we do, and when we aren't sure we can make the changes we want to make, we hear God say, go in peace. So let us then go into the world filled with the peace of God, a peace that permeates every fiber of our being and a peace that restores our souls when they are weary and when they are downtrodden. May we, dare I say then, gather. May we gather in peace as we go out in peace as well, because it is what our Lord commands. So may we then, let us then, gather at the river, the river of life. And may we find that the waters there cleanse us not of any filth, but wash away fears, wash away judgments, wash away injustices, and anything else that we may be holding on to. That way, when we finish and when we come out of the water, we will, like Naaman, 
find the healing peace that we needed all along. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.